Welcome to another episode of Right Brain Rounds. And today I have Dr. Jillian Woodrow for you. Um, she is a colleague here in Anchorage, Alaska. She is an OBGYN and has her own practice, um, Modern Gynecology. And we're just going to talk about being practice owners, how to inspire other women in medicine, and her journey from Pittsburgh to Anchorage, Alaska. <laughs> Welcome, Dr. Woodruff. I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here and to talk to you as well. So you grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I, I went to medical school kind of a little bit close to that area in Erie, Pennsylvania. But um, tell us about how you decided to go to medical school and how you ended up here in Anchorage. Yes quite a distance. Yes. I have been to Erie, I will say. I drove to Erie to take one of the steps for the boards. Oh, there awesome. was a snowstorm. My goodness, up there, I mean, that could, that rivals Anchorage, I think, the snow in Erie, Pennsylvania. <laughs> yes, they do have legit snowstorms there. I, I can vouch for that. <laughs> so you were well prepared to come here, and I felt I was prepared to come here weather-wise. As you know, Pittsburgh is cold and icy, so yes. here, I actually feel like sometimes it's a bit warmer. It's a different, it's a different type of cold. Yes, yes. A, a lot of people do try to explain that to people who are not from Alaska. And, you know, I was always cold in Pennsylvania. And they'd say, but wait, you're from Alaska. Why are you so cold? <laughs> Definitely a different cold. <laughs> but growing up in Pittsburgh, I always knew that I wanted to be a doctor, actually. I think uh -huh. I made that decision when I was about seven years old. Okay. My mother and I were awake one night. She said I could stay up all night. I think I lasted until <gasps> maybe 1130. <laughs> but it felt like all night to me. What a treat. <laughs> we watched, very exciting, we watched the St. Jude's uh, telethon you know how they Ooh. have the telethons where you call in and make your donation yes. and to watch the St. Jude's Children's Cancer Research Hospital telethon and I thought I want to be like those doctors that are taking care of those sick children and making them better Aww. yeah and so I did used to say I wanted to be a pediatric oncologist and people mm -hmm. were always so impressed that I even knew what an oncologist was Aww. so I, I think I just continued saying that over and over and over. And one day I decided, no, I don't want to be an oncologist. But the doctor thing stuck around. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great. And so when you were growing up, did you kind of prepare for that by immersing yourself in the sciences? Or, you know, what, what did you do growing up to pursue this doctor? Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I sure did. I found opportunities and my parents helped me to find opportunities where I could learn more about this field. Uh, my family, they're all in law, actually. So it was going to be the first one that would go to medical school. And so basically, they reached out to people they knew who may have known other people and found programs. So one of them was an accelerated science program where we actually went to, and this was during high school, we went to school with physician assistants, and they would do an anatomy dissection lab, and a few high school students would be able to go and do that with them. 
and I was one of them. So that was a great experience. My father actually was on the board for the American Cancer Society and also the Cystic Cystic Fibrosis Association. Mm -hmm. And so he did a lot of volunteer work and I did a lot of volunteer work with him. So I got to meet people at those events and other physicians. And then I was able to go and shadow them at their office. Um, another one was the Special Olympics. Uh, when yeah. I was little, I remember handing out medals to uh, the winners, uh, the, the medalists in the Special Olympics. And through that, met someone else that said, why don't you come with me and let me show you the hospital? And with that person, was my first time going to the hospital. So just a lot of random experiences growing up, but from talking, I was always a talker. So talking and meeting people and, and finding opportunities that I may not have known existed. That's wonderful. And then you went to college um, at Duke and tell us about your undergrad degrees because I think it's really fascinating. Yes, well Duke was another dream of mine. Um, I had always wanted to go there and when I got into Duke, that was like one of the best days of my life. And it was really a wonderful experience. I just, I was very blessed with a wonderful college experience. Experience My first major, psychology, I chose that because I like people. I like studying people. I didn't have any interest in counseling per se or psychiatry, but the study of people and communication and how they learn and how your brain works helps you in every area of life. So I thought that nice. would be something I could take with me no matter what I did. Mm -hmm. um, and as long as, you know, you don't have to do a pre-med pre major, as you know, as long as you get all of those classes in there. So with psychology, I did a neuroscience focus and also a language acquisition certificate with that. And languages are a passion of mine. I love uh, learning languages. It's actually just my hobby. That's what I do in my uh -huh. free time. It's very nerdy sounding, I know. But it's another way to communicate, right? The more languages you speak, the more yes. people you can communicate with. So um, I did psychology. And the reason I chose Spanish literature was because I wanted to study abroad. And Duke was very expensive. My parents wanted me out of there as soon as possible. <laughs> and I said, I wanted to study abroad. And my dad was like, are you going to graduate in four years? Do you need this for your major? I said, yes, dad, I need it for my major because I am majoring in Spanish literature. So that's how that came about. I wanted I to go to Spain. <laughs> and the only way they would let me is if I had a Spanish major <laughs> because it was absolutely necessary. So that's how that happened. That is so smart. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and so through learning Spanish, I've been able to <laughs> take that skill to volunteer ab abroad in Spanish speaking countries and do extra educational experiences in Mexico and Guatemala. So it's been, it's, it's really opened my career path. Now, when you went abroad, what, what exactly did you do? Did you help other people who already had established clinics there, or did you go with a group? The first time that I went abroad in a medical capacity was in medical school. We went, and it was really for our own education. So we worked with uh, physicians there, 
and learned about their medical system and the different types of healing they have. It's not just, you know, Western medicine, but uh, spiritual medicine as well. And so we uh, learned, we met different practitioners, and then we also did volunteer. So we volunteered in the clinics there, helping their already staffed um, by providers. And so we volunteered alongside them. So it was educational for us as well as a service opportunity. And then after that, uh, after I was already in attending, had graduated medical school and went to residency, I did uh, experiences with organizations that were in Guatemala. And so they were surgical experiences where you'd go and, and perform surgery for a week, like all day, <laughs> every mm -hmm. day for the week, uh, and worship with them. They were mostly Christian organizations. And so mm -hmm. you would worship and then uh, do surgery for the week. And it was a wonderful experience because the people are so grateful for the care that they receive. And the other uh, medical professionals that you work with want to be there. They want to do the work. They want to uh, serve this community. And it was just a great experience. And the first time I went, I was coming from New York City, where a lot of people are very burnt out um, and a little jaded, you know. So it was great to go there and just feel so appreciated. Uh, someone brought me a chicken. <laughs> Oh, that was a nice go. experience. I gave it back. I said, I don't think I can take it on the plane, but just <laughs> such, such genuine and, and grateful people to work with and to take care of. Sure. Now, when, when you went there, did you have like a compacted amount of time that you had to get a lot of things done and, you know, kind of feel that pressure of being able to get that full experience, but during a certain amount of time? Absolutely. You do, uh, you do feel a lot of pressure to get as much done as you can mm -hmm. because um, specifically in the areas that we went to, they had already been worked up by other groups that have come in. So they'd have primary care groups that go in, um, family medicine groups. And so they had been worked up and their need for surgery was already assessed. And so then they were waiting for the GYN surgery team to come in so that they could be seen. So some of them have been waiting quite a while and mm -hmm. had come from quite far distances. So you want to be able to take care of everyone, uh, but it is like a first come first serve thing. And then you, you book the cases for the next day. And then that day when you finish cases, you see people and book the cases for the next day. So they're very, very, very long days. Yes. And the support in the community, they take care of us while we're working, but you can't see everybody. And even some of them that you could see, you may not have the capacity to help them. And you'd have mm -hmm. to send them off to a more uh, major city. Sure. Yeah. I mean, what, what an honor for you to be able to go there and help another community, especially with the language skills that you have. Um, you know, when I was, um, kind of learning a little bit more about your life. Um, I, I saw all the different languages that you're able to speak. And I also saw an awesome post that you had on your Facebook page um, where you were interpreting in sign language the, the lines to the Hamilton play. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> two of my favorite things Hamilton and a sign language <laughs> yeah 
Definitely a love. It means you communicate. Yes, definitely. This year I went back to school to study at Gallaudet, which was the first university for the deaf. It's in Washington, D.C. And due to COVID, uh, they were offering many classes fully online, which they hadn't before. And so I had a great experience just um, increasing my um, knowledge of American Sign Language because the grammar pattern and structure is completely different than English. So you can sign in an English word order pattern um, but being able to completely communicate in American Sign Language takes years and years. So it was a great experience to be able to meet more people in the deaf community and um, yes. increase my knowledge. So signing Hamilton was, you know, part of my practicing. That was wonderful. I loved that. And how did you get into um, learning American Sign Language? How long have you been doing this? Because, it, I mean, you're a natural. Oh, thank you. Uh -huh, well, that yes. started in grade school. There was oh. a girl in our class that yeah. was deaf, and I wanted to talk to her. So yes. I thought, well, I'll just have to learn this language. And my mother uh, drove me an hour away to a school for the deaf in Pittsburgh so I could take classes there. Oh, so awesome. Yeah. I put a lot of pressure on them, yeah. <laughs> on my parents. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. And so, you know, with um, doing other things, you know, other than medicine, I know that um, you have started your own practice. Yes. Um, you did work um, for some hospitals in the past, but um, you and your husband moved to Alaska. And um, tell us a little bit about that journey, because, you know, some people just don't think that they're going to go start a practice. So was there something that you encountered that encouraged you to do that or um you know what right. up to that i think people are put in your life at different times see, for mm -hmm. different reasons and mm -hmm. all at the same time i think there was a lot of support for me to go out and start my own practice i had always worked for large organizations and just mm -hmm. not practicing exactly how i wanted to practice and not being able to care for my patients in the way that i would for my business. And I would think that often, oh, if I had my own business, I would do this or I would take care of this uh, person this way. Mm -hmm. And so I worked for these large organizations and then I moved here to Anchorage because of my husband. Mm -hmm. uh, he started a medical practice here. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, wow, I don't know if I can start a medical practice. This is a lot of work. It's, mm -hmm. you know, in some ways easier to go work for someone else, but you're holding back from who you are. And so when I was practicing here, I practiced with um, another physician. So it was just the two of us. And it was actually a really good experience to be able to get to know my patients more mm -hmm. so than I could in the large organizations. Mm -hmm. So I could see that time that I could spend uh, with my patients, getting to know them. And I thought, you know, I can do this by myself. And even the woman that I worked for, she said to me once, you know, what do you want? Do you want to be a mother first? Do you want to be a doctor? Do you want to do this on your own? And she said, I can help you. You know, I'll encourage you to do what you feel like you want to do. But sometimes you have to think about it. You may not know. It's sometimes easier just to go 
and do a job and then go home because you you may not know what you truly want. And when I thought about it, I thought, you know, this is something I can do. And thank goodness I had the support to be able to, you know, go out and do it on my own. And when you do it, you realize, well, I can do things exactly the way that I want to. I can treat my patients the way doing the things I would want if I were to go somewhere, which is a little non-traditional. We do things a little bit different here. Mm -hmm. And when I explained it to people, they were like, oh, you can't do that. But you can. You know, mm -hmm. just because things haven't been done before doesn't mean that you can't do them. So um, this was just a great place to be able to start my practice. Uh, and the patients here are wonderful. I learned that with my last group. Um, so it's been, it's been a challenge, definitely, but you can reinvent yourself continuously and bring in new skills and, and new ideas. And my patients often give me the inspiration for things that I do. So mm -hmm. I don't look back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, taking that leap, um, I mean, you had a great example you know, with your husband starting a practice and then you saw how, you know, the challenges and then the, the rewards and, you know, ultimately it comes down to um, once you've been doing it, you know, knowing that you're doing what you want to do with your patients. And, you know, sometimes I even explain to my patients, you know, after starting my practice that, I really do enjoy spending that time with them, getting to know them so that, you know, the continuity that is a pregnancy, yes. <laughs> in, mm -hmm. in my case, um, that I can know what, what it is that they need and that they won't be fearful or scared to ask for what they need. And having that type of communication, I think, is really important in that patient position um, relationship and you know Alaska doesn't have the population that somewhere like you know Philadelphia or Pittsburgh has or New York City um, and so we're really not um, seeing like 25 30 patients a day um, and, and then that gives us a lot of extra time to you know get to the root of you know different problems um, that might not be truly gynecologic or obstetric um, and having the safety, you know, the, the people that believe in um, the way that you treat them, um, I think you can really get down to, you know, the, the root of different problems if they're not exactly um, gynecologic or obstetric. Right. Yes, absolutely. I, I completely agree. And you know, I, I learn something every single day and I tell my patients, you know, I may not have an answer for you right now. I may not know exactly what the cause is, but we can work on this together and I can use the resources I have to, you know, help try to see if we can figure this out. So I'm often researching things and talking to people about um, things that are outside of my true scope of gynecology. But, you know, these are, I encourage my patients to be their advocate, you know, to advocate for themselves. And, you know, sometimes you have to advocate for yourselves more than you may, you should have to, 
Great, but I encourage that. I like questions, bring them. I may not have the answer, but I'm going mm-hmm. to, you know, find out. Um, and sometimes there may not be an answer and, you know, sometimes that's okay. But I just want patients to feel heard, that they've been listened to and valued. And if something is important to them, significant, significant they have a problem, it's a problem. You know, if, it's, if you feel like it's a problem, then you have a problem. And, you know, we have to figure out what we need to do. What is the cause? What do we need to do to take care of this? And sometimes it takes a step-by-step process. It doesn't just come to you right away. But you do need to have the time to do that. And so having my own practice, I have that time. I make that time. And I think the patients are really appreciative um, knowing that you're researching for them um, and that you're not just saying, okay, yeah, yeah, I know what to do. I know exactly what to do because you're putting that effort into coming up with a mutually agreeable solution for what it is that they're coming to you for. And, you know, I, I'm not afraid to tell a patient I don't know to right. think, you know, maybe in our field that isn't as common as it should be. <laughs> right. I think it's so important. There's, we can't know everything. You know, we can't, we're just like them. We've studied something more than they have, but that doesn't make me the expert, expert in this field, right? So I, I'm not afraid to say that. Now, some things I should definitely know. (laughs) Right. (laughs) There are those things, but no, if I don't, I think that that's appreciated by people. I've, you know, heard people tell me that before too and say, you know, I don't really have an answer for that. I appreciate that. I appreciate that so much more than, you know, showboating, like, you know, everything or arrogance. Mm-hmm. Definitely honesty is the way to go. Sure. And I know when, when I started my own practice, um, I went from being in a group uh, with six other maternal fetal medicine specialists to being by myself you know, reviewing images, looking at things, um, trying to find solutions for, you know, different complex clinical situations that did come my way. And, um, you know, luckily here in Alaska, everyone is pretty collegial. Um, You can, you know, share images. You can tell your patient, hey, guess what? You know, I'm in this office by myself. I have my own practice but I'm going to collaborate with some other really smart people here in the state. And we're going to look at this together to, to make sure that I'm, you know, steering you in the right direction. Um, You know, so I think that was one of the things that made me a little bit nervous about going out on my own is I was like, well, you know, I can't just go right down the hallway or, you know, call my, my buddy, you know, 20 minutes away and say, Hey, stop everything that you're doing and look at these images. Right. Um, but really you can, you really can do that. Um, and so, um, having the confidence to say, you know what, I've been working as an attending for seven years, I can do this, you know, you just have a different way of getting resources and help and knowing when to ask for that too is very important. Right. Absolutely. I think that was certainly a fear that I had, even going from a large group to a, you know, a two doc shop, 
-hmm. I think I definitely, you know, kind of feared that. And you also think maybe I should know everything. You don't open a practice unless you know it all. Mm -hmm. But yes, we all have colleagues and we've gone through school. We know where to look for information. We know Mm -hmm. how to do research. And we do. We use the people around us near and far. And this is something that, like you said, is very amazing in Anchorage because I have reached out to, you know, docs and other groups, you know, your quote competitors, right? But we help each other. We assist each other in surgery. We answer Mm -hmm. questions. I'm always happy to, you know, I, I, I love it when somebody asks me that I, you know, for advice or something so I can help them and they'll help me. So, and it's a benefit for the patients. It really is. It is. And, you know, I think um, in business too, when, when you think about physicians and what physicians think it is to go into practice on their own and how that must be something really unsurmountable or something that would be very difficult to do, yet they've already done something really difficult, like graduated from medical school. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I don't think we ever think about that. (laughs) You think about what you don't know, what you Mm -hmm. haven't done instead of what you have accomplished Mm -hmm. and how much more you could accomplish. But that's Mm -hmm. true. We've done something difficult. Why can't we? Why can't we have a business? Why can't we start a business, a practice? Why can't we start more than one? Mm -hmm. That's, that's true. We know how to learn. Exactly. And, you know, as a lifelong learning profession, you know, it, it, it seems like it would be the next, you know, step in that progression is to learn more about business and, um, just kind of go for it. You know, I think though that a lot of people are programmed, you know, even, you know, going to residency, you go to residency and then you become a clinician. You see patients, you know, like that's not the only option for a medical career. And I think absolutely not. (laughs) Yes, absolutely not. There is room for creativity in medicine Mm -hmm. and there's room to forge your own path. And even if you finish residency and, you know, I did an OBGYN residency and Mm -hmm. I'm not doing OB anymore. And it wasn't that I didn't like OB or, or had any problem. I enjoyed my, my time and that relationship you form with women over that time and, mm-hmm. and being there for the most, the happiest moment of their life. That's a wonderful yeah. experience. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I developed other interests. You know, like you said, you continually learn. I developed other interests and decided I wanted to form a practice around these other interests. I, I love gynecology in, in GYN surgery, and I also like the cosmetic aspect of it. And so, you know, no, I don't know that's been done in, in Anchorage. I don't know, you know, none of my uh, residency colleagues are doing cosmetic gynecology, but you know, why can't I, you know? And so you can develop a, a business based on the passions that you have and your interests and your strengths. And it may not be something that's been done before. So let you be the first one to do it. Mm -hmm. And having any self-limiting beliefs will stop something like that. And, you know, I think that was kind of one of the main reasons that I wanted to get this podcast, you know, Right Brain Rounds out there 
is that, you know, you can discuss, you know, going for your dreams, you know, shooting high, aiming high, maybe missing, um, but not confining yourself to the typical medical school path or the medical career path that everyone kind of is guided through and they say, you have right. to do this and then you must do this. And then now you, is the time to do this where, you know, you can have throw some creativity into it, into the mix and say, well, you know, maybe I want to, you know, do some cosmetic gynecology and, and, you know, people will ask me about that. What is that? Mm-hmm. And, and you'll show them, you know, right. to be someone who starts something like that for it to, you know, be successful and, and be something wonderful in your patient's life. Right. And also you don't want to listen to people that tell you, no, you can't mm-hmm. do this, or I don't know, you know, a little bit of skepticism when it's thrown in there is, mm-hmm. can throw everything off. So you want to make sure that you can listen to people's advice with a grain of salt, right? So yes. somebody may say that hasn't been done before. I don't know if that will work. Okay, well, then that's your opportunity to research it and figure out how you can make it happen and figure it out. Um, even with cosmetic gynecology, patients are like, sometimes they have problems or or, or may not be a problem, but it may have been um, something that they've been concerned with uh, for years and years and years, but didn't know that there was anything they could do about their problem. And so by uh, coming in and having that space where they could ask questions and get their answers, that was my, um, that's the time that I have to really connect with them and say, this is what we could do. Or just encourage them or, or sometimes they, it could be an issue where they feel like, is this wrong? Is there a problem with me? And that's my time to say, you know, this is actually very typical. You know, mm-hmm. this you may be uncomfortable with this. Let's explore why you're uncomfortable with this. Um, but, you know, there's nothing, quote, wrong with you. You know, mm-hmm. so it's a lot of, it's education. Um, so that's a part of medicine and that's a part of all fields of medicine. Um, education, I have some artistry and some medicine in there as well. Um, but there's always going to be people that maybe think that you can't do it. And then they, they start something in your brain that kind of holds you back. Mm-hmm. And that's your opportunity to push forward yes. and to surround yourself even with people that encourage you mm-hmm. or that can answer your questions and help you. And, you know, sometimes even just having that belief that you can do it and and to not have self-saboteurs, you know, thoughts Mm -hmm. that this is not possible or, you know, how could someone like myself do something like this? You know, that that's just way out of my league. Right. Something like that. And, you know, not holding back. And so I, I love it. You know, you just take people's opinions and you know their ideas and and maybe use that as a platform to get some brainstormed ideas you know okay you don't think that would work maybe how do you think it would work you know yeah, right <laughs> doing some market research yes exactly <laughs> 
But I can totally see a patient coming to you and not feeling any like need to hold back. And I mean, you just have that personality where, you know, I feel like I could just totally trust you and be like, Hey, let me tell you about this. And I would know in the back of my mind too, that there's probably not much you've never heard before. <laughs> right. <field. laughs> well, thank you for that uh, compliment. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, I've heard so many things and, you know, I try to uh, help patients to feel comfortable to let them know. I don't think there's a way to surprise me, yes. but I will tell you that, you know, I learn new things every day, new terms that people use, especially uh, younger women that I've never mm -hmm. heard of. Uh -huh. So I'm like, oh, good. You're teaching me things. This is going to help me along my way. <laughs> but I love that part, like just getting to know people and their experiences and some experiences we share and some are different from my own experience, but we get to learn, you know, learn and know each other. Like, yes, I might, my job is to make you feel comfortable and, um, and not judged in any way. Mm -hmm. Um, because I'm, I'm there to try to make you, help you to be your best self. Yes. Oh, that's excellent. So moving forward in your practice, do you have any future goals or also any advice to people who might be in a situation where they're like, you know what, I don't know if I can take that leap to do my own practice or change positions or, you know, go for that goal that I've really been wanting to go for, but have been holding back. Is there any type of advice you would give to people? And then what, what are some of your aspirations for the future? Well, for as far as advice, I would say to trust yourself, know yourself, um, figure out what your goals are. And your goal right now may be to start your own practice and it may not be, but our goals change. So just because you say something this year doesn't mean that next year um, you uh, will have the same opinions or dreams or, or goals. My, what I'm doing now looks very different than what I thought I would do five years ago, even it's, it's very different and, but extremely fulfilling and, I can't say that I wish I'd done it sooner. I wish I'd believed in myself more. Um, but I think that I, I opened my practice at the right time for me. And I was able to use all of the experiences that I gained in my different positions to put it to use here. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't open your practice from the beginning. If that is your goal, then make it happen. So things like this, um, like listening to this podcast, I did a lot of that. I um, watched YouTube videos and heard advice from people I didn't know or uh, mm -hmm. put on Facebook groups for people that were looking for people like me, people who um, were in medicine, but like the aesthetics of it. So I found you can find your, your niche, your little group. Uh, and then even people that are doing totally different things, but people out there that may have started a medical practice, talk to them, reach out to them. I am always happy to talk to students. I often have students that come to the office to shadow. Um, this is my way of paying it forward because people did this for me. And so you don't actually have to be a student to get advice from another professional 
you can reach out and, and ask questions. And, and basically, I would say there are so many people that are so open to sharing their experiences and enjoy it because they're proud. You know, I'm proud of my business and you're proud of your business. And that's why you're spending this time encouraging other women to start their practices because you see the benefits firsthand as do I. So I would say sometimes, you know, things that are worth doing are not the easiest things and there's risks in life, you know, and, and fears, but don't let those fears overwhelm you. So in most things I do, I try to push myself because that's how I grow and get out of my comfort zone. And as far as the future, um, wow. Um, right now I am renovating a new office and which has more space so that I could offer more services uh, to my patients. I found that we need this space because I like to give the time uh, to each woman. And so I need, I need space to be able to deliver all of my services. So that is the, probably the next thing that we, what I'm doing right now is uh, just expanding so I can expand my services. Uh, I also, um, for a while, I've been thinking about doing uh, writing a blog just so I could share things. So I've started slower with uh, Instagram and Facebook and just sharing things that were important to me. A lot of things about um, advocacy for yourself, advocacy for your family members. Um, and then I throw in cosmetic things that I do and fun stuff like that. There you go. And then gynecology related stuff. I love to talk about um, the vagina and how we could be comfortable with our vagina. So uh, yes. some of that is there too. But I thought maybe doing a blog. Um, this year, I'm hosting line one, as you know, on a lot yes. of public media. And we cover a, a whole host of medical related uh, concerns and uh, try to educate myself and our listeners on um, different issues that they may be confronted with or have someone they know um, have that issue. And so it's definitely outside of my comfort zone, even though I love to talk and communicate, uh, but uh, calling other physicians and medical providers and asking them to come on to the show and then interviewing them um, as experts is, is kind of a little nerve wracking. So that is what I'm doing to push myself. And so um, I think that's how we grow. It's so excellent. I I love it. And I just wanted to take this opportunity to have you share some of your um, sites with our listeners. Um, Like, do you have a, a link, a digital link? A digital link. I have, um, well, my website is mm-hmm. www.moderngynalaska.com. Yeah. Okay. And then on Instagram and on Facebook, you can find me by going to Modern Gynecology. That's it. Awesome. Um, and I think that's about it. On line one, um, it's Alaska Public Media. I don't want to get that wrong. If it's .org. I may have to get that in the show notes too. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But you can see the archives from all of the uh, programs there. And if you have um, listeners that are students, I recently did a show about careers in medicine. So not necessarily 
physician careers, but careers that physicians may transition to in hospital administration and so forth. So that was a very interesting show for me. But I feel like instead of transitioning out of medicine with burnout, uh, transitioning to a practice of my own where I could do exactly what I was passionate about was the answer to stave off burnout. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think that's excellent advice and, you know, getting to know yourself, as you mentioned, um, putting yourself in situations where you're forced to grow and maybe, you know, grow through some experiences that might not be so comfortable and, you know, asking people in the field about how they did things. If you see someone that you would like to emulate, just asking the question, you know, getting information from those types of people. And I, I think that those are all excellent um, sources of information and ways to help yourself in your medical career, because we do invest a lot into this. <laughs> Right. And, you know, so inspirational. I I just really, you know, think that all of those things are very important, you know, especially for women in medicine um, who are taking care of women um, to show them that you can be successful in having your own practice and, you know, taking care of people in a way that's a little bit different than the norm, but um, it suits your personality and also, um, it's a benefit to the patients that you serve. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. So in the show notes, we'll have all of the ways that you can contact Dr. Woodruff and you can check out her website. And I am so excited to see your new office. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I will be having you over. This is excellent. <laughs> I can't wait. Thank you so much for talking with us today. And I hope that we've um, left the podcast with some inspiration for other women in medicine. Thank you so much.